0: This morning, our text is out of uh, Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. And it is a story that I have always tried to avoid. It's a text, honestly, that I have not liked. Um, But I I said in first service, when I chose this text, and I had to rethink and say, I believe this text chose me. And maybe this text chose us for this morning. Um, And sometimes when we read Scripture... We are trying to hear what Scripture is saying, and sometimes we miss what Scripture is doing. There is a performance of Scripture. There's something taking place that goes above and beyond even what we just hear. So this morning, as I read this text, I want to ask you to think about and try to imagine what is taking place and what the text is doing this morning. Uh, So if you would, please stand. This is Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table... Eat the children's crumbs. And then he told her, For such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found her child lying on the bed. And the demon was gone. May God bless the reading of his word. I'll tell you what, I'm going I'm to take this off. I need to, we're going to settle in here, okay? Those of you that know me um, will know uh, this story. You will know the characters in this story. Um, some of you know them very well. Uh, where's Cameron O'Brien? You will know these characters very well. Uh, some of you, uh, this will be a whole new story, and so just listen and hopefully it will make sense by the time we're done. That, that's a preacher's hope is that things make sense by the time they're done. So it was a hot, muggy, late summer afternoon, and uh, we, were at, uh, we were in that sweet spot uh, as a family, that sweet spot between the busyness of a youth ministry summer, uh, all the mission trips and camps and everything were behind us, and we were just before that ordered structure of a school teacher's school year. So in that, I'm going to call that, it is sweet spot right there. Um, and my wife, in all of her wisdom, and yes, Shelly, I said that in first service, uh, that she is very wise. Uh, she looked at me and said, You know what? We need to take a break. Now, it was a summer um, as Marissa was finishing ACU. Uh, she was graduating, and Kaylee, our youngest, was just about to leave and go to ACU. And so it was in that spot, and Shelly said, Let's go somewhere. And so we went to San Antonio. That's kind of our default. We went down there, saw her parents. And her dad um, had just gotten a boat, and Glenn Boyd is here, and he will appreciate that. Uh, he had just gotten a boat, and he said, well, let's take the boat out. Um, now, Glenn likes to go fishing, but we, were going, we went out to the lake, and we were going to go skiing. Um, I'm probably, I don't know which is worse for me, fishing or skiing. Neither one of them are very good. But we went out to the lake, and we uh, went, got there. But as soon as we got there, we had company. Because as soon as we pulled up to the lake, there were some dogs that were in the way. And these dogs just kept, they were everywhere we went. They were, they were flea-bitten, tick-infested. They were nasty. We were launching the boat. They're trying to get in the boat. When we, uh, and when they're not trying to get in the boat, they're eating dead fish on the side of the lake. When we laid out our picnic, they were there trying to grab anything that dropped to the ground they were everywhere. They were annoying. They weren't, they weren't dangerous. They were just obnoxious. So much so that they even followed Shelley and my girls to the dressing room, to the, to the restroom as they were changing clothes. And the dogs were nudging their way under the stalls just everywhere we went. They were there. They were obnoxious, annoying dogs. Maybe. Maybe that's the kind of dog that Jesus had in mind this day in Mark chapter 7. Maybe it's that kind of dog that's not dangerous, just annoying, just in the way. Maybe that's what he had in mind when he encountered this woman. See, Jesus, he's tired. He's just come from another encounter with Pharisees and teachers of the law. Another time when they are calling him on the carpet, questioning everything he's saying and doing, questioning the actions of his disciples. They are so concerned about about their obsession with human tradition, over the commands of God, that they are blinded about God's grace and about welcome and compassion. For the Pharisees and teachers of the law, their idea of holiness was wrapped up In following the rule of law rather than in caring for others. And so that is on Jesus. He's just from that encounter. But if he is frustrated with the Pharisees, he is fed up with his disciples. Because even as they pull away from the Pharisees, the disciples are saying, Now what's going on? What does all this mean? And Jesus looks at his disciples... And says, are you so dull? Do you not get it? Can you not understand? And he goes on to explain that, that this whole thing that's taking place with the Pharisees is what, was this debate over what makes us clean and unclean. And he tells them that what makes us unclean is not what comes at us from the outside of our body, but it, it is what proceeds forth from our heart. In the way we see and treat people. And that was the debate. And Jesus was just tired of being with the Pharisees and now his disciples. And they don't get it. And so, in Mark chapter 7, maybe his response to this woman shouldn't really surprise us that that much. See, the woman comes to Jesus seeking to have an impure spirit cast from her daughter. The Greek woman, born in Syria, Phoenicia, falls at his feet and begs Jesus to cast the demon out. And in that moment, Jesus looks at the woman, but he doesn't really want to hear her. He's tired. He's weary. And so, his attitude, his posture, his demeanor do more to probably push her away than to actually welcome her. His words and demeanor silence, seek to silence her. When he says, first, let the little children eat all they want, for it is not right to take children's bread and feed the dogs. Wow. That's not the Jesus we expect, is it? We expect Jesus to be this grace-filled, welcoming person. This is not the response we expect. But to those in his presence, to those that are gathered around, it's probably not surprising at all. This response would have been fairly typical, socially and politically correct. They see the woman, and all of the social barriers go up. She is unattended by a man. She is in public alone. That means several things, and one thing that could very well mean that this, this woman is a prostitute in that day and age. Barriers go up. This woman is there, and she's asking for her daughter to be healed, but she's not just... Asking for her to be healed from some disease. She is possessed by an unclean spirit. And the walls go up. There is nothing about her that would cause anyone to welcome and receive her. And so, most people are not surprised when Jesus likens her. And I don't like this verse. And even her child a dog. You know, the thing about this is the woman's not surprised either. The woman has been there before. This has been her life. She has spent her life, she has been in places where she is alone. She is not accompanied by a man. And she has seen the looks as she's walked down the street. She's heard the comments behind her back. She's seen the The glances at her. So she's not really surprised at all. Those voices in her world have been ever-present seeking to silence her voice and say she's unworthy, she's an outcast, she's not welcome. But undaunted by Jesus' response, she persists. And she says this Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And this is where the text begins to do something more than just speak. Because in this moment, this woman's voice is not only allowed, it's elevated. This woman speaks something about Jesus to those around that even Jesus has not spoken about himself. This woman, her voice is elevated and this lowly, unclean outcast becomes the teacher. She becomes the rabbi. And Jesus not only allows, but elevates her voice as this woman who came seeking to be rescued in this moment, she declares that rescue is available to everyone. To all the dogs of this world, this woman declares the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here, this is where we're able to go, ah, this is the Jesus we came looking for. Because Jesus looks at her, and he responds with mercy and grace, and he says, For such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. Jesus hears, validates, and elevates her voice. Now, that's the story. And that's the story that I've tried to avoid all these years because it makes me uncomfortable And there's something there in that story, but it's also really important to see what happens next. Now, get what's just happened. This woman who has had no voice in her culture, this woman who has been pushed aside, her voice has been silenced. Jesus gives her a voice, validates her voice, and then Jesus leaves from there, goes to a new vicinity. And the very next thing we have recorded is that he encounters a man who cannot speak. And Jesus touches that man, opens his ears, and gives him a voice as well. What is going on here? This is what I believe is happening. I believe that with these two incidents right here together, Jesus is reminding us that we live in a world that seeks to silence our voice. We live in a world that seeks to shut us down and shut us up. We live in a world that seeks to push us aside and say we are unimportant and not worthy and we just need to go on our way. But if we are Jesus' followers, if we follow in the way of Christ and we seek to do the things that Christ would do, we live differently. And we live in a way that seeks to empower and affirm and raise up and welcome the voices of others. And that is the beloved community. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke of the beloved community. He says that the beloved community is a place where all are welcomed to the table. And this table that we speak of, this table, this table of the Lord, this table of fellowship, this table is built on the ruins of of the walls that this world puts up between people. This table is built on the ruins of the, humani- the, the arrogance of humanity, of our pride, of our fears. This new table, this table of welcome for the beloved community is built on all those things and everyone is welcome at that table and everyone has a voice. These are his words. He says, in the end... The end is reconciliation. The end is a creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers, can transform enemies into friends. It is agape love, which is understanding goodwill for all men. It is an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. It is a love of God working in the lives of men. This is love that may well be the salvation of our civilization. This table, it is around this table that we gather. It is around this table that we welcome the dogs of our world, the broken, the outcast, the forgotten, the marginalized. It is around this table that we find rescue. It is around this table that those who have been silenced find a new voice to to declare the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is around this table that the beloved community is formed. And it is from this table that we, the beloved community, Proclaim rescue, redemption, justice, and mercy to a world that is hungry for crumbs. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel welcome at that table. I don't know about you, but for me. Have you ever sat down at a table where you know you didn't fit? Where something's not right? Paul, maybe you get up to read the scripture and find out, oh, that's the wrong scripture. Thank you for your, your grace and I love you. <laughs> but if you sit down at a table and realize oh, I'm not sure I'm supposed to be here. I'm not wearing the right thing. I don't look, the right, I don't have the right language. Several years ago, uh, I was at Princeton Theological Seminary. And I was able to hear some, just some incredible people speak. And this, this one professor um, spoke. And the class, I was just enamored. It was outstanding. And after the class, we were all walking across to have lunch. And this is the kind of guy that, at that point, I, just, I had just heard his class. And as I saw him across campus, I was like, oh, wow. You know, I was kind of in awe. And we walk in and we get ready to sit down. I just met a man uh, named Keith Lewis from New Mexico. And Keith looks across the room and says, hey, let's go sit over there with Jason. Jason Biasi, the professor that had just spoken. He's sitting at a table by himself. I'm like, I can't go sit there. But we go sit down. And as we sit down, Jason looks across the table and goes, Kevin, hmm. Johnson Street Church of Christ, where is that? I said, well, it's in San Angelo, Texas. He says, no way. I said, yeah. He said, my wife is from Wall. <laughs> so we begin talking. And this guy went to school at Duke and he's, just, he's written all these books and everything. We begin talking. And I said, well, what year did she graduate? And he told me. And I said, well, she's got to know the Houstons. And he goes, oh, Ed and Shirley. I'm like, what is going on? And so we're talking, and, and we're just having this great special moment with, you know, at least it was special to me. <laughs> and Keith, the man I just met from New Mexico, looks at me and says, San Angelo, do you know Tim and Babby Archer? I went, yeah, they used to live right around the corner from us. And so now it's all, the three of us, and we're just going back and forth, this conversation about San Angelo, Do we know this, we know that, and, and it's just wonderful and glorious, and and in the meantime, a couple of other guys have sat down at our table. And I look over at them and I said, "I'm sorry, hang, hang on. I introduced myself. And I said, I haven't gotten to meet you guys yet. And one of them looks at me and says, hey, we're from Pennsylvania and we have no idea where San Angelo, Texas is. <laughs> they were wondering if they were at the wrong table. They were wondering if they had a place at the table. And they were wondering if they had a voice for the conversation. There's no doubt that there are many in our world. There's no doubt that there are a number of us in this room right now that wonder if we belong at the table, that wonder if we have a voice worth listening to, if we have anything to contribute we are victims. We are victims of social, political, and even religious structures that often seek to silence voices rather than welcome them. I, uh, yeah, I look down at here at my youth group. And I'll tell you, Then I know sometimes you wonder if you belong. There are times you wonder if you really belong in all of this and if there will someday be a day when you're old enough to really be a part of church. Sometimes we speak language that doesn't make sense and we talk about things that sometimes we answer questions that you're not asking while we're not answering the questions you are. And there's some of you that have been a member, been members of this church for 50 plus years. And I know sometimes you wonder if you belong. The world's changed a lot in the last 50, 60, 70 years. Church has changed a lot. And sometimes we don't sing those songs that are so important to you, that are so meaningful and rich to you. And we sing new songs that sometimes don't make sense. And you wonder if you have a voice and if you belong. And there's some of us here today that are wrestling with all kinds of maybe relationship issues. Maybe things that, that we don't want anybody else to know. And we wonder if we belong at the table. And there are newcomers here that are maybe new to all of this and asking questions and, and there's new language and they're trying to make sense of it and they're wondering... If they belong, if they have a voice in this community. And there are those here this morning wrestling with addictions, and you can fill in the blank alcohol, substance abuse, pornography. And maybe no one else knows of those addictions, but you do. And those addictions silence your voice, and you wonder if you belong. I will tell you, every one of you, yes, you belong. Your voice is important. Your voice is essential. We cannot be the beloved community without you. Because, see, there's something really special. That happens when all of those people, when all of us, all of us dogs, are welcome to the table. The first thing is, we're welcomed to the table, not under the table. Jesus doesn't just give us the crumbs that fall, the leftovers. He says, I have a feast, I have a banquet spread for you. You have a place at the table. And as all of us dogs are welcome to the table, and we begin sharing our voice and telling our stories, we begin to declare the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that some of us have never heard before. And we find that as we are welcome to the table, as we are rescued by Jesus at the table, our voice just might be the voice that declares rescue and welcome to someone else. And those of us that came seeking to be rescued find that we get to declare rescue to others. And that is the beloved community. And that is the table I want to be at. I began this morning by telling you a story of some dirty, tick-infested, flea-bitten dogs. That was six years ago. The dog's names are Callie and Lucy. Um, Because on that hot muggy day, that July, I was uh, quickly outruled. And the persistence of my wife and my two daughters won out. And those dogs came to my house, they were cleaned up, and now those dogs, we call them the dingoes. I will tell you that on that first day, they were probably called some other things. But those dingoes now sleep beside my bed. They eat more than crumbs from my table and they remind me about grace and forgiveness and new life and i will tell you that there are just like with all of you there are some cold lonely evenings There are some evenings when my spirit dims with the sun. There are some evenings when I don't want to turn on the news. There are some evenings when the stress of ministry begins to weigh. And there are some evenings when I really wonder if I belong at the table. There are some evenings when I wonder if I have a voice, if I have anything worth saying or anything worth listening to. And on those evenings, I will look across at those two dogs and I'll ask Shelly, did we... Rescue the dingoes? Or did they rescue us? Because, see, I believe that's what happens at the beloved community, the table, is that by the incredible grace and mercy of God, we are rescued together. And I am reminded of his grace because I hear your story. And I pray that you're reminded of his grace because you hear mine. In the beloved community, we all come seeking rescue. We all have a voice. And we all have a place at the table. Because we sit at the table with a father that loves us beyond measure. He is a good, good father. This morning, we're going to sing in just a minute. Uh, And when we sing, there are going to be some people around the sides. And you may want to go to them. You may just want to get with somebody right there where you are. Maybe... You came this morning wondering if you have a place at the table. Maybe you came this morning wondering if your voice is worth anything to anyone. I'll tell you again, you belong at the table. Your voice is essential. But if you want to get with one of our leaders or somebody sitting next to you and just verbalize that, And ask to be affirmed and reminded that you belong and that your voice is important. And I want to ask you to do that. This is a beloved community, loved by God, empowered to love others. Let's stand and sing.